Um, we, I was due to give this message last Sunday, and um, we got snowed out, so we didn't actually meet as a church. So we decided we would give this message tonight. Um, it's half the length. Trust me, I'll try my best to get down to half the length it's due to be. Um, but let's make a start. So um, the message is one of hope. And so I was 11 years old, and my life changed forever. And you're thinking, that must be when he became a Christian. It was not when I became a Christian. I became a Christian 14 years later than that. So I'm in 1977, and I'm 11 years old. See if we can get this to... There I am. Aww. How cute was I? What, what went wrong? You're questioning now. That was me at 11. My nan knitted that. Really cool, yeah? I didn't get ribbed at school about that at all. Um, anyway... This is one of my most vivid memories as a child. Excuse, there'll be a lot of glugging to keep my voice going. Um, I was fanatical um, about a phenomenon in America that um, I was one of a small but growing band of kids, very geek-like, who had started to get into this phenomenon and was getting to know a lot of the facts about it um, and really struck We were kind of transfixed on it, very excited about this phenomenon. Um, and there's this incredible day comes at school, at my school, when I was at Pinner Park um, School, that's where I went. Um, I remember it really well. In the assembly, the headmaster stands up and he says something like this. The father of a pupil in this school works in the film industry and has been given a ticket to the premiere week of a film that is about to show in the Odeon Leicester Square. I'm not making this up, this is absolutely true. Odeon Leicester Square, he can't go and neither can his son. And so would anyone like a ticket to go and see? Go and see. And before he'd said the second word, this timid 11-year-old screams, me, me, because he has a ticket to the premiere week of Star Wars. So I get to go to the, I remember it so well because the school burst into laughter because I screamed so shrill and so loud, me! I get the ticket to go to the premiere week of Star Wars. I go on my own. How I wasn't murdered, I don't know, because no one lets their kids go on their own at 11 on anything anymore. But at 11, I go to the Odeon Leicester Square, picture it. I sit down in this massive seat, Felt massive, probably these days it would just be a normal one, but it felt huge. And I'm 11 years old, and this comes on the screen. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. Now, you, don't, you have to realize, people don't read that and think. A long time ago. Isn't Star Wars supposed to be like futuristic? Isn't it supposed to be something like way off in the future because it's sci-fi? But it's actually written historically. It's looking back a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. So that's the first quizzical moment. What, who's, whose history is this? Who's, who's talking backwards about something that happened a long time? Is it a long time ago from now? Is it a long time ago from some other world? What, but it's historical. So that's a little bit like, oh, it's interesting way to start a film. No one's started a film like that before. So that's one of the things. Remember, it's set in the past. Part that for a second because this then hits the screen with that orchestra. That hits the screen. I, I, breathe, I breathe in, but then I don't breathe out for quite a while. I'm like, <gasps> oh, 
that font, that incredible font and that noise of the orchestra, which isn't actually electronic, it's kind of an old-fashioned brass strings thing going on. So this orchestra just goes like, bah! And we feel suddenly we're transformed into the future with a very old sound. But, but you hear this sound and you're literally like, it's here. I'm sitting and I'm going to watch Star Wars. Incredible. Then the credits roll, the famous creeping credits. Another new thing for a film. They create this creeping credit thing, a uh, creeping storyline that comes up the screen. And it hits this. And it, that comes onto the screen. Episode four, A New Hope. Now at that point, Quite a few people in the cinema, and certainly for the weeks that follow, are going, four? Wasn't I here for one? Where's one, two, three? Have I got, they're looking, I, I'm four. We missed three of them. <laughs> We're in four. And people are confused for weeks, like, did they launch the fourth one and they've got the other ones? What's gone on? Why are we in four? And then, of course, the storyline keeps creeping down the screen. But people are thinking, I want to see episode one, don't I? I've missed out. And... Even today, when you're trying to speak about Star Wars 1, you kind of say, but I mean 4. You know, the first one, 4. <laughs> the, the one with Obi-Wan and Luke, the first one, the fourth one. You know what I mean? I mean, it's easily confusing, episode 4. And it kind of gets worse, because after that, then we get, we get 4, then we get 5 and 6. So we get the Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. Then things go a bit dark, it gets a bit dubious because we go for one, two, and three. So we go back to one, two, and three, Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith. Now, if you're not a Star Wars fan, you're already thinking, huh? Like what? He goes, one, three, four, five, six, one, two, three. Yeah, that's confusing enough. It's going to get worse. Right, so Disney get hold of it, as you know. And Oz, The Wizard of Oz was the film of our childhood, if you're anything like my age. Yeah, that was the Christmas movie. The same movie every year. Well, now it's Star Wars. Just got released, The Last Jedi. And um, what's going on? Disney gets hold of it. And now they're going further forward. So the last one was seven, A Force Awakens. And the one now is The Last Jedi. That's eight. But in between, we got Rogue One. What's Rogue One, Dave Abraham? Rogue One is like three and a half. 3.9. 3 there you go. Now we've got points. <laughs> so it's sitting between three and four is Rogue One. And then next year, they'll do something else somewhere. And they'll go backwards a little bit. It's getting anyone confused yet. OK, so. That's what's going on. And this could go on for 40 plus years, as long as the franchise lasts. And if Disney get hold of it, it'll go on forever. And it'll just keep going forward a bit, back a bit, forward a bit, back a bit. And it'll just keep going, going, going out, further and further out into the story. So why do I bring this up? Because it seems eternally stuck in a pattern, Star Wars. Why do I bring it up? It's not the cheesy fact that it's called A New Hope. That's not my, not my reason for bringing this up. It's... Christmas is kind of like that film to a Christian, to someone who believes in Jesus Christ. Humanity's history is pivoting on one moment in a similar way. The birth of Jesus Christ, the hope of the world coming in. But it's kind of the centre of the story. Like we've come in at four. We've come in at the birth of Christ. And hope affects us dramatically, but that depends on how big your hope story is. How big is your understanding of this hope that has turned up in Jesus Christ. You've got to figure out where it sits in time and how big is hope going to be for you. You've heard a scripture already used before, but I'm going to use another one, but only briefly. Chapter 11 of the, of the letter to the Hebrews. 
um, is I'm going to use it. And I'm just going to use the start and the end of that. If I'd been doing the full preach, you would have got the middle too. But I'm just going to use the beginning and the end. The bit in the middle is often referred to as um, the heroes of our faith. It makes reference to a lot of people from history who are heroes of the Christian faith and the Jewish faith. But actually, I'm just going to use the beginning and the end. So just to be clear, this letter has been written after Jesus Christ has died. So this fulcrum of history. And if you're not sure, well, do I believe in Jesus, whether it's the fulcrum of history? Well, what year is it? 2017. And how was that year decided? The birth of Christ. So you've got your AD and your BC. So it's the fulcrum of something, whatever you might think, that sets the years. It's an important moment in history. So I'm going to look at three things. Hope is coming. And I'm going to throw quite a lot of scripture at you, if you don't mind, but, uh, but, but it'll make sense because it's telling a story, because that's what I want to show you, that the Bible is telling a story. And chapter 11 of Hebrews starts with this in 1 to 3. It says this. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for. I'll say that again. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. Now... How far back, therefore, does your faith need to go? How far back? Because faith is the assurance of hope. So how far back? How many episodes? What the Bible's saying is as far back as we can comprehend, as far back as we even existed, as far back as you can manage in your mind to go back to, as, a, as a humanity story when we began. So that far back. A long time ago in a galaxy not so far away. God creates the universe. Then he creates time, he creates the earth, he creates the creatures, he creates us who walk with him in the garden, we're in the presence of God and we want for nothing. Then sin enters our relationship, we rebel, we turn our back on God and we get thrown out of the garden, we get thrown out of the presence of God, our relationship becomes one that is separated from God. But God launches this plan, you see. He launches a plan, he comes up with a hope. It's going to take some time for this hope to work its way through. Between the fall of man when we start to sin and Jesus arriving, there's going to be a lot of people that are going to play different roles in the story. Helping people know that there's this Messiah coming. God's plan is starting to play itself out. And one day this moment will come, this middle of the story, when Jesus Christ is born. The Messiah is coming. And many of these people will help God's people. They'll help but none of them are actually the one that people are looking for. If you know your Star Wars, there's this, not the droid you're looking for, something like that, isn't it? Alec Guinness said, this is not the king you're looking for. These are good people of the faith that this tells a story, but they're not the one that everyone's waiting for. They're looking for the Messiah, the one that will come and set people free. Many of these people are in this middle of this chapter, these heroes of the faith, they help God's people, but they're not the Prince of Peace. They're not the one that Peter read about, the mighty counsellor. They're not him. So Hebrews 11 speaks about these names, which some of you will know and some of you won't. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Moses, all who faced some suffering in their lives. And it says this, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in the skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. These all died in faith, not having received the things promised, 
but having seen them and greeted them from afar. What sustained them through all of this was faith. And what's faith? Back to the beginning. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not yet seen. Hebrews 11 um, concludes with this. All of the, and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised. So hope starts with the fall of man, but it looks towards what? It looks towards Jesus? Well, that's a yes and no answer, actually. It does, in part, look towards Jesus, but that's not what we're actually hoping for. So let's just talk briefly about hope is here. Jesus' birth, his life, his death, is not the end of the hope story. It's the pivot moment in it. It's the moment when everything suddenly changes. Jesus is born, he lives a life we can't live, he dies the death that we deserve, he takes sin on his shoulders, he eats sin up, that sin that separates us from God. And that moment when he dies, sin is atoned, it's paid for, and the story shifts now. Now we're the other side of the cross, they say, we're in another part of the story. He rises again, death can't hold him, the veil's torn before him, he silences the boasts of sin and death. Hope has arrived in Jesus. And in Titus 1, 1 to 3, which is not a particular scripture we reference a lot in our church, but, but actually there's a great transition in the introduction that Paul says. He says, For the sake of the faith of God's elect, in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began. Or others say, time eternal. And at the proper time, now, because this is written as Jesus Christ has been born, and has died, so now manifested in his word. So saying everything we kind of heard about and was hoping for, go way back as far as you like. It's just happened. The thing we were waiting for happened. God has been born with us. He is Emmanuel Christ. Is Jesus, Jesus is God with us. So that's, and this is Christmas, 800 years later. This is Jesus, the one that was promised, that, that scripture that actually... Um, Peter read out, it's from a prophecy 800 years before, saying he's coming, he, this is who he's going to be. And after he's arrived, then people are writing about he actually has arrived. And this is then written at that time when they re-quote that. Matthew, one of his disciples says this, All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this is like Star Wars Four, the first one. A new hope. But we should be more riveted to this story than the one, even me in that seat in the Odeon Leicester Square, staring up as that, those graphics hit the screen. I was just riveted to my seat, and I loved every second of that. We should be more impressed by this story than that one, though. That film, for many reasons, changed filmmaking forever. It did so many different things. It changed filmmaking forever. Jesus Christ, the true hope, he just changes forever, forever. The best story ever told is hope is here. And here's the thing, though. Hope has arrived. But is it actually here? Are we living in it? It's okay to ask that question sometimes. We, we feel like we're living in a time of hope. And it's okay to question that, I think. Because my view is this, hope has, sorry, I'm out by one, I think. Hope has begun. Hope is here in Jesus, but it's not fully realised yet. Jesus has arrived, but we're still in the middle of the story. We're still in the middle 
of the story. We live in what we call the now, but the not yet. We live in the hope, but it's not actually fully realized yet. It's recognized dramatically in, in a scripture in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 9. I'll go up there. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. In difficult times, our hope should sustain us through the most difficult seasons of our lives. We sing a song in our church called There Is A Day. It says, so lift your eyes to the things as yet unseen that will remain now for all eternity. Though trouble's hard, it's only momentary and it's achieving our future glory. Romans 8 says this, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. We had someone in church the other week, Carolyn, she came up and she said about your life being like a dot in the time of eternity. Our lives will be so brief, like a dot. So while it's not easy sometimes to be living in episode four, it is passing. So carrying on in 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, it says this. <coughs> so we do not lose heart. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For things that are seen are transient, but things that are unseen are eternal. So when you give your life to Jesus, it's what it says in John 3.16, you receive eternal life. It's like exchanging contracts on a house. There's a point at which there's no going back on the deal. That moment when things change, the exchange happens. Coming to Jesus, God exchanged contracts with you and I and says it's yours. You and I now have a binding contract. You have a home in heaven, a hope beyond the grave. That hope is to be with me. We're not there yet. We're still here. Stuff's going to happen, but soon in the blinking of eye, you'll be moving in with me, God says. Get this, the contract is completely and utterly unbreakable. And when we exchange contracts with God, we exchange sin and death for eternal life. At the end of time, you'll be coming home. So why do I even say this? What's my point of all this? Time for humanity is set in this story. Walking with God, blessed with abundant life. We slip up, we're not walking with God anymore. Then, we walk with him again. All we have to do is ask, would you forgive me for rebelling against you? Take my sins upon your shoulders, Jesus, and receive me back to relationship with you. And you just enter into eternal life with God. And what am I suggesting you do with all this? It wasn't to entertain you about Star Wars. I want to ask this. If you're a Christian, and if you're not a Christian, either way around, change your hope timeline. This isn't just episode four of a story. I'm gonna sp I speak from personal experience. When difficulties overwhelm me and I start to struggle, when they're financial, emotional, those pressures in my life and my mind become overwhelming, I know that I've drawn my hope in too close and too narrow, too short term. I've forgotten this eternal story that I've been called into I'm stuck in episode four and every setback and every challenge feels huge because it dominates my week, my month, my year, potentially dominates my life. 
But that's not the hope that we're talking about. That's not the hope. Life is just a dot in eternity. If you don't know Jesus, this is all you've got. This life. With Jesus, your hope becomes an eternal story. The difficulties of this life become just a dot. Mother Teresa said, in the light of eternity, looking back to life on earth would be like one day in a bad hotel. Unlike Luke Skywalker, Jesus did not come just to conquer the might of the empire. He came to conquer the power of sin. He didn't come to fight Vader. He came to defeat Satan. He didn't come to destroy the Death Star. He came to destroy death itself. Bring us out of darkness, renew our souls and give us eternal life. Christians, share the good news of Jesus Christ. Share the good news of of Christmas. That would be my greatest reward in heaven, to meet people, members of my family, and know that I did something that helped them to inherit this eternal hope. Because I did something to help as God worked in them by his spirit, inviting them to eternity through Jesus Christ. I can't save anyone, but I'd like to know I did my bit. That'd be more amazing than I could possibly ever imagine. It really is a story of hope. The Christmas story is the story of the ultimate hope for all eternity, not just a better week, a better month, a better year, but all eternity. Amen?